Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Lovecast. Today, we're going to be talking some um, UFC and our reactions to the Celtics loss. But first, I have some big news. I'm here with my friend Peyton Gravel, um, and she's going to tell you about a, a podcast that she's going to be starting on uh, the Lovecast podcast feed. Peyton, take it away. Hey, guys. Thanks, Max. So I'm going to be starting Peyton's POV on the Lovecast podcast. And basically, it's going to be me and a co-host weekly or bi-weekly and we're going to talk about sports and women's point of view in sports and other things. And I'm hoping to get started anywhere in the next week or two with my first episode. Yes. So um, that's gonna, she's going to be showing up on, under the Lovecast uh, podcast feed and network, um, along with the other new podcast that's coming out, The Gambling Couch. Um, I'm very excited. Peyton's very good at what she does. And this is going to be an awesome uh, opportunity for both of us. Um, but yeah, so everyone keep your ears open for that and uh keep looking eventually uh within a week or two weeks you'll be seeing uh Peyton's POV pop up on the Lovecast podcast network so uh yeah thank you for um for the announcement Peyton and uh we're gonna get right back with UFC okay welcome back we are here uh on our UFC segment we have two UFC experts today we're very excited we have Jared and Jeff so happy to have you guys back crazy UFC card yesterday uh, we're going to start with the uh, Rose versus Carla fight. Uh, let's talk about our reactions and uh, what we think is next. Uh, Jeff, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts? That Rose versus Carla fight was an absolute fucking dud. <laughs> that was terrible. It was so bad. But I honestly thought Rose kind of did enough in the end to win it, but uh, I don't know. And I feel like you should beat the champion to beat a champion, but I don't know. Yeah, that um that was tough. <laughs> like I, I don't know what Jared, I know we were talking about this in the chat. Like I don't know what her corners like what why was her corner giving her that advice and like why didn't he tell her in the final round to go for it and like make an effort instead of not doing anything? Yeah, yeah. Well, I figured after after the third round, you gotta you gotta change something up. You can't just be sitting around. Um, I just I was so confused that I mean I, now I'm not a fighter, so what what the hell the, what the hell <laughs> my opinion? But yeah, I just don't understand how in a championship fight you can just sit back and not go get it when it, there was you know one round would have one convincing round would have won the fight for you really i mean like one combination would have won the fight right I mean, yeah it was so close there was yeah. nothing it, to it really judge. it really came down to asparza had two takedowns rose had one yeah Asparza maybe maybe had three but yeah i was disappointed i i'm kind of confused uh like what you said about like her corner and her coaches how you watch that fight after three rounds maybe even four rounds and think oh rose is definitely winning this like she just has to hold on like she it, it was there's no way for you to know that the judges are going to score it uh in favor of rose so i just don't get why they wouldn't tell her to go after a little bit more but what well, do you guys I, think is next for them wait uh going back to what you said real quick jordan um i just think like rose uh i think there was so little to judge her on that um she needed to go for an attack but what i think the thing is is that her corner was worried that Esparza was a better wrestler and I think that they they would have given her the advice of um actually going for it and going for like a like an 
like an impressionable finish where she's gonna, just going to be attacking and like on top of her and being aggressive. But I think they're worried that uh, as far as it would be able to shoot on her and take her on the ground and handle her, which is interesting because that's I was showing an issue in Rose's game that we didn't really account for. So I don't know. It was just a strange fight. Uh, Jerry, what are your thoughts? So the main thing I think where where Rose loses, obviously she loses the belt, but I think she loses the luxury of having a immediate rematch. Yeah. Um, it was just such a boring fight. No one wants to see it. it she's going to have to fight two or three more times, maybe just yeah. one. No way. Dana was happy with that. No way. Yep. Yeah, I definitely think Rose might end up taking a couple years off again like she did Yeah. back in – I forget when the last time she did that was, but she does not take losses as well. No. Uh, Jeff, do you know how old she is by any chance? She's 29. She's yeah, 29? Yeah, yeah yep. so she, she does have – the ability to take off like two or three years and kind of come back in her prime. So that's a good point. I didn't personally think of that, but that's a good Jeff raises a good, like yeah. interesting thing. Yeah. Um, all right. We can, uh, we can move on to the next fight, which was much more exciting. Uh, Chandler versus Ferguson. Uh, Jared, what'd you think about it? That was Dana White. If you want, if you watched his post fight presser, he said that was the most vicious knockout he's ever seen. And it was, yeah. It, that was crazy. And I don't know if any of you guys picked up on it. was the same type of technique that he was using on Dan Hooker when he knocked him out. Mm. So he'd be standing straight up with his hands and then would kind of kind of take a step towards him and drop his hands just a little bit. And it sort of flirted with the idea of a takedown or a leg kick or something. And after doing that for the whole first round, it looked like Ferguson just kind of got used to He's just fainting that every time. And then he just he dropped those hands and then landed that front kick and Ferguson never even saw it coming. I noticed that as well. What you're talking about with the um the like the stopping and then the starting to get them to bite. Um, usually he's quicker on like a tip tap. Like he jumps up and down like all the time. But he's kind of like also switching stances. But this one it was more of a big leap, like you said. And it was like a tactical leap, I guess would be the word for it. And he was trying to get him to bite. And Tony. I don't know if he bit, but he just he left him like he just was open for like a millisecond because Tony himself is uh, a switch stance like guy where I, I think he comes in at orthodox, but he switches the entire time. So I think they caught a mid switch. And then um, like it was just like you said, it was that was yeah. he almost died like that could have snapped his brain stem the way that that kick hit his neck. That was horrible. Um, yeah, Jeff, what were you thinking? Yeah, he just left a lane open wide up the middle. Yeah. And he was talking, Michael Chandler was talking about how he was planning to hit him with an uppercut, but he was like, I don't even throw kicks, but let me just stir one right up this lane he's giving me. And it just right on the button. That was crazy. And a backflip after was phenomenal. And the promo <laughs> after was even better. Yes. That was absolutely amazing. Max, you mentioned about uh ferguson biting on that faint i don't think i don't think he bit and i think that's why he got caught with the kick i think he just kind of got used to it he was like i'm not gonna bite on that faint and it eventually burned him yeah no that's a good point i think i think you're right he left like he left space he left too much uh space and he wasn't defending it was like a it was like a millisecond maybe in between a switch of a stance or like i don't know what but he just was left open for a quick second and that was palm of the foot to bottom of chin in a motion that 
pulled his head backwards so hard that he like he could have snapped his neck and then he also fell face forward he face planted and he was doing a heavy bre- uh, breathe or breath so like that was scary I, I especially like tony ferguson is not a man that's ever been knocked out um yeah that doesn't happen um so that was i don't know what part was scarier like the the viciousness of the kick or the fact that he endured a punch that was able to put him on the ground because i just didn't think i would ever see that so yeah i i don't know what's next for tony but jordan what are your thoughts yeah i was just gonna mention that uh i know jeff mentioned last time we had him on that this could be a retirement fight for tony uh would any of you guys be surprised if we never see him fight in the ufc again no i would not be surprised i'm not too sure because how he was talking he he's upset i don't know it really doesn't look good but i i feel like he's got to fight again at least one more time, two more times, maybe. But I don't know. What do you think, Jared? I think he's going to turn into like a cowboy journeyman type of guy. Um, he doesn't seem like one of those guys who just quit the sport and just leave. I think he likes fighting way too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, if he called it quits right now, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be against it, you know, think he's getting old i'm not sure he's going to be able to accomplish much other than being a journeyman yeah i i agree i think i don't know i i wouldn't be surprised if we never see him again just um there was something different about that that felt different i don't know i don't i'm going off of nothing that just from my gut that felt that just seemed and felt different and uh in the few retirement matches i have seen that that's what that felt like that felt like someone who I think um, because he had never been like knocked out before, I think like you get humbled when you get knocked out. And I, I think that that might be something that maybe I know he's like a extreme warrior and no one's questioning that. Um, I just think that maybe it's, it was that, that this might be the end of for him. Maybe he's just hangs it up. I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about the other guy now. Chandler just, I mean, unbelievable knockout. The guy looks like he's on steroids. Um mm-hmm. He's, he just looks like a freak athlete. What's next for him? He's currently ranked number five. Uh, what, what do you guys see coming up next for him? Let me let me pull up the lightweight rankings right now. Yeah. Um, I think Chandler um, – so, yeah, so it's an interesting conversation because who do you guys think takes Chandler? Do you think – like, he has an option here. He could call – he could go to – he called out McGregor, but McGregor could also go to Oliveira and mm-hmm. – yeah, so Jeff, what do you think about that? I think I definitely think Michael Chandler gets McGregor next. I think they reward him with the money fight. He wants him at 170, so McGregor will be even happier to do it because he doesn't have to cut as much. Neither of them do. And yeah. then Oliveira shouldn't get rewarded with a money fight like McGregor after he missed weight. Oh, yeah, so that's another interesting thing. We'll talk about that more in the next yeah. fight. Um yeah, so I think I think I, I see Oliveira in Abu Dhabi with Makachev. Um, that's what I listened to the Ariel Hawani Ringer podcast on the MMA uh, review, and they were talking about how they think it's going to be um, Makachev and Oliveira in the voice crack. Oliveira in the uh, in Abu Dhabi, and I, I I agree because they they showed Dana White saying like you missed weight, son, you missed weight, and I don't think the UFC looks too kindly on him missing weight, even though it was by half pound. But we'll get into that later. Jared, what are your thoughts? 
So I'm going to do a little DC and RC matchmaking real quick. Yeah. Okay. So Oliver won. I think he's going to fight Makachev for the vacant belt. Mm. Gaethje, I'll get into him later. Yeah. Dustin Poirier doesn't have a fight coming up. Oh. My, Michael Chandler versus Poirier could be a good fight. That would be an unreal fight. I would like that fight. Who do you yeah, think, who do you think so wins? Good. Who do you think wins in that? I think Poirier, but I don't know. It would be a good fight. And then Gaethje can fight Dariush. Does he have a fight coming up? Daniel Dariush? No. no, he doesn't. I'm looking oh. at it. You go Gaethje, Dariush. But I think a good fight to make. If, if you know, the McGregor fight obviously would be a very entertaining fight. I think that would sell a lot of pay-per-views. Mm. But if you're looking for a really good co-main, Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler, that could even yeah. be a good When's the last time McGregor fought? July. Uh, July, yeah. That's when he got injured. Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know. McGregor's huge right now. And he did have a tweet talking about how he would like to fight big. Like, he kind of wants to fight yeah. big again. So, if he does that, he's probably going more towards Islam. Than, the, one, uh, the 170 call, uh, yeah. by Chandler was huge to get the McGregor, the McGregor fight. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if McGregor wants to come back to 155. They're killers. I don't know. That's a tough division. But it's all tough division. Like, there's just so many good fighters. Um, I think... Uh, I think Chandler beats Poirier. I that's I start. I know that we passed that topic a, a little yeah. bit ago, but but I I would take Chandler over Poirier in my opinion. You too, Jeff. Me too, no doubt. I I don't know his striking's just too diverse, and I also think his wrestling's way too good for Poirier. Also, yeah, I I'm actually a little bit lower on Poirier. I'm not. I haven't been too big of a fan on. I mean, I am. I was a fan. I just yeah. I, like I what I've seen. I I don't know. I, I definitely and Michael think Chandler. Chandler's stock just keeps going up and up yeah. for me. Yeah, he's and, becoming slowly one of my favorite fighters, and I didn't like him at all when he came into UFC. Me too. He um he got touched up that fight though uh against Ferguson. He was beat up at the end of it a little bit. Like he came in looking a little beat, and he definitely like Ferguson only hit him a couple times, but he they they were. They were going in in the beginning of this fight. They, yeah. they, they were brawling, and that's what was interesting to me is I didn't know how it was going to be. I thought maybe they were going to feel each other out a little bit, which I don't know why I would have thought that because Ferguson never does that. Um, I just didn't think it was going to be like they both threw some knockout shots at each other, both ate them, and then that just came out of nowhere, and that was completely shocking. Um, yeah, Chandler's a killer. I, I think I'd take him against Poirier. Yeah, I think whatever happens next for Chandler, whether it's Poirier or McGregor, that's going to be an unbelievable fight, whoever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully it's one of those two. If it's someone, it, it won't be someone else, right? Is there any chance? Um, if you're trying to make money. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. you, can fight, you can fight Darius. I can't um, imagine it's going to, if I think if he loses one of these upcoming ones and I could, and Gaethje starts winning again, maybe potentially a Gaethje trilogy, but that would be not this yeah. fight. That would be a next fight yeah, the next after. Mm -hmm. So I just think either way for Chandler, uh, he's going to have a big fight coming up. That's going to be awesome. But um, let's transition into the final fight we saw last night, which was Oliver Gaethje, uh, an unbelievable fight. Uh Ended in the first round. Let's just talk about the fight a little bit, and then we'll talk about what's coming up for these guys. So, Jared, what were your thoughts on the fight itself? Dude, I got to start putting some respect on Charlie All's name, dude. <laughs> I, I doubt him way too much, and every time he surprises me. 
I doubted him against Ferguson, cooked Ferguson. Doubted him against Chandler. Thought Chandler was going to knock him out, which mm. I mean, almost did, but came back in that second round, won the belt. I thought Poirier was going to clean him. Was wasn't really much of a fight, and then I didn't think Oliver was going to be able to get the fight to the ground against Gaethje's wrestling. And once it hit the ground, it was I mean over so fast. Yeah, it was yep. wasn't even really close. So I, I got to reevaluate so many things in my lightweight rankings. But I'm thinking he might pass in Ghana. I mean, recency recency bias is coming in, but he might pass in Ghana mm-hmm. on pound for pound list because and hop up to number four. Um, but where's Usman on that list? Usman's one. It goes. I'm looking at it right now. It goes Usman, Volkanovski, Adesanya, Nganu, Oliveira. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay. I, for some reason, I was picturing that you had Nganu at one, and I was like, that's – No, no, no. I was going to say, that's a little crazy. No, no, no. I, but I'm thinking – I mean, after the fight happened, I'm like, he has to be top three pound for pound. But I don't, I don't know if he pa- passes Adesanya or Volk. Charles is an absolute dog. I keep – same with you. I keep doubting him and doubting him and doubting him, and he just keeps surprising me every time. He is crazy. And the thing about him is I always think he can get knocked out because he gets knocked down so much, it seems like. But I think he just falls down purposely. He did last like, night. Most He's blind. Time. Yeah, like, he can't see. So he just falls down in hopes that a motherfucker will hop on top of him and yeah. he'll get him. Yeah. He's he's a uh, like legally blind or yeah he's legally blind like that's why he yeah. wears glasses to the ring and he says he fights when he fights he sees three people and he f- punches the middle one so you can see it in his style like stylistically he actually incorporates that um, because he just will like lay and then there's nothing you can do you can like calf kick but he can also essentially check that so Jordan do you know what yeah. checking leg kicks are yeah. Yeah, so you, you can inflict as much pain, if not more pain, on yourself by checking. So if they're swinging at your calves and you can angle your – or swing at your shins and you can angle them correctly, like all they can really do is kick you in the butt and then you you spin on your back shoulders and then eventually they have to let you up. So it's not a, good, it's not a bad move. Um, yeah, the I mean, fact – Gaethje clearly didn't want to hop on him. Like he, he knocked no, him down and he just let him stand up. So. Well, Oliver's a better ground – like Gaethje's an elite wrestler, so yeah. I did, that was smart by Gaethje. Yeah, he was trying to fight it's his just, fight. It's just interesting that you just knock someone down and back up and let them stand back up. I don't, I don't know if I've seen that. That it's different. It, like Oliver is not normal. Like you can't, you can't pounce on him because mm-hmm. you. What is he gonna do if you knock him down? He's on his back. He's not out. He's still fully effective. Yeah. Like if you go to attack, he can round you up and he's a submission specialist an artist and he can fold you into so many different submissions one thing i do want to get into real quick is i doubted Oliveira, and that was because of a couple of things one he missed weight by half a pound and that number is significant because half a pound is not a lot of weight which means that he was cutting himself to an absolute maximum like he he was pushing his body to the limit to get to this weight like a half pound means he was probably in a sauna with full sweat sweats on like biking for like 90 or not for that probably for that entire hour like he was put himself through hell to cut that weight so 
the mental torture and the physical torture that that takes like or that that is to do like i just thought that maybe he would come in and the fact that he didn't actually hit it like that's an added stressor i just didn't see him um being successful in this or i i just i didn't think it was any possible way that he was going to be successful so the fact that he pulled it off is like is uber like he needs to get like he's an insane fighter jared what are your thoughts I was wondering more how that would affect him mentally going into the fight. Um, just because it, to me, yeah, it's on your mind. Yeah, it has to be right. Everyone's talking about it. And if he was the first champion in the UFC to ever miss weight. Yeah. Kind of show like if that was me and I missed weight, I would think like, what kind of champion am I? Yeah. Well, like, you, you know, he tried, like there's no, oh, way yeah, that... he, he totally tried, but I would have, that's yeah. the way I would have thought about it. And no, that's how I would have thought about it, too. That would have just wrecked it, me mentally. Yeah, they said there was, like, controversy with the scale, too, which we don't really know. But yeah, uh, I just wanted to talk about – I'd never seen Gaethje fight before, uh, oh. and I thought he was unbelievable. He, right from right out of the gate, hurt him bad. Um, it, he just couldn't – he couldn't stay out. He was doing – I thought he was doing so good uh, just right until he got knocked down, and then it was over so fast. Yeah, no doubt. And Oliveira's, uh, what you call it, striking surprised me a lot. Yeah. He, when he rocked him and dropped Justin, I was shocked, honestly. <laughs> I did not think it would go like that. And he just, he, he's so smart to just pounce right on him when he has a chance and yeah. take the back. It was ridiculous. It was like a spider attacking something. It was nuts. So, uh, Gaethje's coach. I don't know if is Whitman his head coach or just his striking coach. You, I so I mean he so he fights with Whitman or trains with Whitman, mm. who's Usman's coach and also works with um, Nami Yunus. Yeah, and I mean he says just his trainer. So I think I'm a I'm. He is a different head coach and just that's like his striking or his coach. coach. Yeah, I think that's his coach. All right. Yeah. So anyway, I mean those are three elite fighters. Um, and I, I just think Gaethje's striking is next level like that. The whole Whitman, I mean, the way Usman strikes, the way Rose mm-hmm. strikes, it's just – They got – I mean, fighter, like how would you not want to train with Whitman? Yeah. I know. That's true. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's get into what we think is next. So mm-hmm. who's up next for, for Gaethje? Yeah, this is – that was a really, really big loss. That's his – um second title loss i believe right second or third um that's a big loss for him i don't know i think um i really that's where it gets really tough because i i don't know what he what's next for gaichi just because he's he's not like super young he's not like super old either he's not done but it's just gonna be interesting to see like what's available all right i got two choices i want for gaichi yeah i either want him to run it back with Dustin. Ooh. Like that would be a great one again. I want him to go up to 170 and try to shut Kobe Covington's fucking mouth. <laughs> That'd be good. That, I would, like that would be sweet. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against that, no. Yeah. That's my two two favorite necks for Justin. When was the last time Benil Dariush fought? Uh I can look that up. Um, because I I feel like he had a fight at some point that got canceled. 
Oh, maybe that was the uh, he was gonna Islam. Fight. Yeah. Yep. I think that would be a fight. I mean, he probably has to go down a little bit. You know, yeah. lower and to work his way back up. Darius would be a good fight. Not that that's an easy fight, but I think that's a would be a good matchup. Two wrestlers. Well, Gaethje just I don't know if he can like. I if I'm him, I'm taking that fight because as someone who just lost by a submission, I would probably want to fix my wrestling. So I think if you're if it depends on what he's trying to do. Is he is he trying to squeeze out the last little bit of his career and um take fights that he knows he can win or is he trying to round out the last bit of his career and take fights that are going to make him better um i think that's kind of like the main uh like i think that's kind of like we we're gonna have to see i don't i it, like no one knows i he probably doesn't know yet what his goal is um and i think that's probably going to be like the driving force behind what he actually ends up doing and which fight he ends up taking uh jeff did you have something on that uh yeah i with the uh, Benio Darius uh, direction, I think they're actually going to try to make Benio and Islam happen in Abu Dhabi. I don't, I don't even oh, yeah. know if they do the whole Islam next for the belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't yeah, seem I to be wanting to push him might... to the belt. Who do you think would be next to fight? So obviously, Oliveira would fight for the vacant belt, but who would he yeah. fight? There's actually a weird, like, Dana actually talked a little bit about it. Volkanovski, if he beats Max, yeah. go up and try to beat double champ immediately, Dana said. Yeah, yeah, Dana talked about that last night. That would be – who's winning that fight? Oliveira. Yeah, I think I don't think it's really No, Volk said absolute tank. Yeah, but, but this is me doubting Oliveira again. Yeah, I, I didn't take an Oliveira on that one, I think. Oliver is uh, longer. Oliver looks big at lightweight. Yeah, Oliver. Yeah. yeah, I just think that's. I, I if I'm Volk, I, I don't know if I do that. He's too short. I think. Um, and that really matters in his striking. He didn't really have any issues with uh, Ortega's jujitsu and at all. He survived them. Yeah. Right. And, and he probably has the uh, Ortega probably has the next best jujitsu behind Oliveira, right? So. Yeah. yeah, at least in that weight. I don't know. Oliveira, I I don't know what – he's a different fighter right now than he was in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, something something Jeff mentioned earlier uh, was Oliveira striking. I mean, he was he was standing up there with uh, Gaethje, and they were trading. I think Gaethje yeah. was slightly winning uh, when they were standing, but, I mean, Oliveira heard him and caught him uh, yep. a few times and then eventually knocked him down, so – I think he's just so like complete. He just has no weaknesses. So I don't know. Yeah. When I first saw the fight, I was like, oh shit, Gaethje's about to win. Cause Gaethje fights brain dead. Like he gets knocked out and then continues. There's like compilations of him being out on his feet, continuing boxing. So he, if, if he's in a stand and trade with that, Oliveira, this is one of the, I think this is either the third or fourth fight in a row where Oliveira has been stunned. Like, like it's not that he doesn't have a chin. He just like, he like possums out, like he gets stunned and they just lays. And so, yeah. um, it's kind of like the perfect tactic, but, um, yeah. So I think like if, because Volk is such a heavy hitter, um, in that scenario, maybe if he, what Volkanovsky would have to do is he'd have to close quarter it because, um, uh, Oliver is longer and that would help him on his, uh, like shoot defense too, because it's harder to shoot in a close quarter in close quarters. So 
if I'm bulk, I'm getting in close quarters combat with my shorter arms. And um, if that's the scenario and he's able to do that, um, it, it might be he has a better chance of winning in that situation because we've seen Oliveira be prone to having a, a, a be stunned, I guess, with not like a weak chin, but be stunned, Jeff. Yeah, and I I think Volk might be able to pull it off just because his kickboxing is very elite. True. It's up there with the best of them. Up there with Oliveira. He trains with, what you call it, Izzy and all of them. Mm. He's in a, he trains in Tiger Muay Thai up in Thailand. Yeah. Thailand. He's... He's really good. So I also think if he can just keep a distance and not get taken down and not go for go for uh, Oliveira while he's down, he might be able to pull it off. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think like um, if you're trying to shoot from a close quarter situation, you're trying to pull someone who's shorter, like Volkanovski at a low center of gravity, I think it's easier for him to keep it close quarters and keep it like – uppercuts and elbow throws and stuff like that. Uh, Jerry, what were you thinking on that? I just, I'm never going against Oliveira again. Yeah, that's probably, <laughs> that's probably smart. Like, I don't know. No, so if if um, Volkanovski goes and fights for the lightweight title, I don't care. I mean, you could have Ngannou fight for the lightweight title. I'm still taking Oliveira. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I like, <laughs> I just, just I, I, I did it. I've done it for this so big. Long. I'm quitting it. It's yeah. This is what I, is what I'm doing now. I don't care. Well, he's taken down every <laughs> type of fighter. Like he took down like Gaethje's a killer, an elite boxer who puts people down on the canvas, and he ate shots from Gaethje and took him down and submitted him. And he did it with the world on his back. He walked in getting booed. Like he literally had everything go wrong that yeah. could go wrong, and he handled himself professionally and quickly. Turned around and left. Like. I don't see how you bet against this guy for a while. Jordan? Yeah, I just have a question for you guys because uh, I don't know UFC as well. Um, but do you guys think Gaethje, like, messed up last night? Like, did he make a mistake or did Oliver is he just the better fighter? No, a split-second mistake. So split-second. Yeah. So he was – Oliver was attacking him from his back trying to get a triangle. Mm. And once he got out – once Gaethje got out of that – he was immediately put back into another. Yeah, that was crazy. Eric could have choked him out. I don't think that's Gaethje's fault necessarily. I think it's just um, Oliver being deadly at any point yeah. on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, – yeah, it's just like that f- – so many fights are won and lost by like one millisecond. So, like, Oliver's be- the better fighter pound for pound because he's more – um uh he has a wider range of abilities and we know that now he can strike and he can he has a chin and he can take you down and he can do it with a superstar mentality like in the mma so he's the full package um and obviously justin it lacks a little bit like he's a great wrestler but he just lacked a little bit in his submission defense in that moment or whatever it is that is the reason that he's not a champion right now so um I think Oliver is better, but I think it's like a little bit like that. It was just a split second mistake to happen. That's that's why he's lost the fight. But that's what's beautiful about the sport is that how that's how it goes. Jared, how great would a Khabib Oliver fight be, dude? <laughs> we're never gonna get it, but like, oh, that would be like a UFC Twitter like, just 
like wet dream dude they that is like they would that they wouldn't know how to handle that yeah it's it's a yeah. it'll never happen i think khabib's done but no khabib's done he that that because of his dad and everything i don't, I don't think yeah it's, it's so Islam's sad going to be the closest yeah. we get yeah yeah so maybe an islam Oliveira fight is the closest we can get that's i'm cool with that uh jordan hypothetically uh let's hear from you guys who's winning khabib or Oliveira. Oh, uh i i can't khabib probably I think Khabib is denser Oliveira, like like in a thicker, better for better suited for wrestling. Oliveira's body is better for jujitsu. Khabib's is better for what he does. He's stiff. He's short, stocky, and thick. Are you going to doubt Oliveira again in this hypothetical scenario? Yeah, doubt Khabib. I'm doubting him. I'm doubting him with the greatest fighter of all time. Yeah, Khabib. Khabib is. You would put get him on his back and smash. Type his legs and smash. Oliveira can't do anything with it. If you if you don't have your legs on the ground, then that's why you, Khabib has been was good his entire career because you just took away your legs as soon as you're on the ground. If Oliveira wasn't blind, maybe I would take him, but I just <laughs> I don't know. Even then, dude, Khabib <laughs> Khabib is a killer. I yeah, I that yeah, Khabib, I would take Khabib. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Yeah, so um that was really good. Uh, I think we're gonna wrap it up here, but um thank you guys for coming on. Um We'll be back this week ta- uh, previewing the upcoming fight night and then um, having our reaction staff. But yeah, uh, we'll be talking Celtics coming up here in a bit. We'll talk to y'all later. Bye. All righty, we're back. Um, we're going to be talking a little uh, NBA. We're going to be reacting to the Celtics game. We got Tori and uh, Philly here. So we're going to be talking some Celtics. Jordan, do you want to start us off? Uh, first of all, just want to thank our wonderful guests for coming on. Philly, how are you feeling today? Dude, I'm super happy to be here. Uh, a little bit pissed <laughs> off that we're going to have to be talking about a loss, but still yeah. excited yeah. to talk about the Cs. Yeah. I know. TH, how about you? Feeling good? Feeling just about the same as Philly. <laughs> All right, yeah. yeah. Let's get uh, into it. Sir. Um, <sighs> First thing, I, I think we all just have to touch on, I mean, Tatum really just sucked, huh? <laughs> Tatum. That's just a... Oh, Tatum had, he had 10 points on, on four for 19. I said last pod, we're going to need him to have a signature game to win one of these in Milwaukee. And we got the opposite. So, oh, yeah. Uh, definitely wasn't happy about that. But I will say, I think next game he's going to come out uh, like Jalen did in game two. I think he's going to come out super aggressive. Um, hopefully his shots start falling. I think he's going to have a big game. Um, and I will say, I was happy to see Jalen keep playing great like that. Uh, eight for 16 for 27 and 12. Uh, I thought he was super aggressive all game. Uh, and I liked how he got to the mid-range too. So, yeah. Uh, what did you guys think of the game? Uh, yeah, no, I um, I definitely, I think like it's good that, well, I just got, I just want to talk about the whistle a little bit because that oh, was, boy. <laughs> that was just killing me. I, it's, it's the infamous bad. whistle. The whistle. Let's talk some whistle, boys. Uh, it's been bad for every team in the playoffs. It's been bad the entire playoffs. It's made them like borderline unwatchable at times. Um, I think that it's good that we got this game out of the way because realistically, the Celtics only really need to win one in Milwaukee and bring it back. Um, and I'm hoping that Ime is going to send a video to the league. Like that's what I would do if I was the Celtics. I would show send tapes to the league, which every team does after a game of Giannis and his charges and that goaltending call. And then maybe um, next game the refs will look for it and call it more because that's tend that tends to be how it goes. So with that in mind, I feel like a little bit better about our defense. I, I, it wasn't like we had a horrible defensive night. What did you guys see on defense? 
mean, I thought they played well on defense and they, they're really doing all they can with Giannis. It's just, I talk about it with my dad all the time. He averages probably 12 fouls a game, but he only gets called for three of them. Yeah. So there's really not much you can do when, I mean, there was a couple with Grant Williams where he literally gets like, you know, put it right in his chest and he falls to the ground and they call a foul on him. I don't really know, you know, what he's supposed to do there. I don't know if they just say, all right, screw it. Not even try to draw charges on Giannis because they're not calling him. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a lost cause. Just, uh, but, yeah. kind of like Shaq in the 80s and 90s, you know, it's, it's yeah. defenses kind of have to play around it rather than focus on just straight stopping because you really, especially in, on the break, you can't, you can't stop Giannis on the break. Even as no. a good defensive team, you put what, let's say the, the 2014 or the, that old Spurs team put him against the Milwaukee Bucks. It doesn't matter. Mm. Giannis is still going to score in tra- transition no matter who, who, who or what defense you throw at him. So I think with that in mind, the Celtics actually played, played decent defense in my opinion, but inside the box, I was talking to Max about this before we started. I saw a bunch of just for, on the screen switches with Jalen, like Jalen Brown would switch on to Giannis for some reason. I didn't understand. I didn't yeah. understand that game plan because it, it looked intentional from, from a watcher's point. Mm-hmm. It could have been, you know, just kind of like a defensive scheme type thing, but it just didn't work. It never worked. Maybe yeah. it worked once or twice, but, overall just no yeah so yeah that was a good um point like i think um it was weird because i i I thought jalen like he looks on paper like he would be a stronger player and be better at face guarding um Giannis and at least like making it hard for him to get the ball but he had a really tough time doing anything like not to take away anything from Giannis with the fouls because um Giannis played awesome and he had a lot of plays that had nothing to do with fouls it was just his yeah. pure skill and athleticism and talent um the issue was like the foul calls that he that they missed were big calls that actually did impact the game like that last three-pointer that Marcus Smart took that where he's in the yeah. act of shooting that, that was a, a shooting foul yes that should have been a three that should have been three shots or, or that the goaltend like that that was a big call um but yeah, like you said, Jalen Brown's uh, needs to get better at defending the switch, or they need to figure out what they're gonna do. Maybe pull, yeah. uh, maybe like f- uh, filter it out with Horford on someone else. I'm yeah. not sure. But Jordan, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I'm actually really happy Tori brought that up because I literally have it in my notes in all caps. Can we stop switching Jalen onto Giannis? <laughs> yeah, and I understand. I I was I was saying this during the game. I understand if there's a really good screen and someone can't get through it, and Jalen has to step up. Whatever. But we're switching when literally guys are just crossing. Like, there's no screen. There's nothing. And Jalen switches. And, like, it'll be Al or Grant that takes Jalen's guy. It makes no sense to me. That's exactly what they want to do. And we know Jalen's a good defender. He's just too thin for Giannis. Uh, he's not strong enough. Giannis yeah. just backs down. At least Al or Grant on that. At, yeah. least, at least. At least. I just – and I was saying the same thing about um, Smart guarding Drew earlier in the series. I don't understand why – those two guys, we can't just we you can't switch anyone onto them. You have to have your best defenders on their best two players. Um, so yeah, that was super annoying. Um, yeah, well, to add on to just to add on to that point, and it's not like this is like first quarter minutes when he gets switched on him. This is like fourth quarter. Yeah. You need good defensive possessions. And Giannis at this point in the game probably already had high thirties, close to forty points. So you know he's you know kind of rolling out there. So yeah, again, I don't understand how in critical minutes like that you can make that mistake and not have them switch yeah. on them. But yeah, this game was just kind of a microcosm of our whole season. Like we, we shot, like we played well defensively. We stayed in it. We made 
plays when we needed to, but we just couldn't get, um, I guess a microcosm of all the bad games that we've had, because there's usually what happens is we can get in the, into a good rhythm offensively and score, but we, we were so stagnant. We were only nine. We only ended up shooting nine for 33 from three, which was 27.3%. Like couldn't shoot the ball again, which is another, which is a thing that we've been talking about all playoffs where, um, on the nights where it's good, it's good. But on the nights where it's bad, it's real bad. Offensively, we get real stagnant. We can always hold up defensively and we can always, um, like, uh, put our, put all of our chips in that area. But like, we, we need to find something offensively because we can't, we need to make up for it in the other end. Jordan, what do you think about that? Yeah. Um, I agree with everything you said. I just wanted to go back a little bit to the refs. Yeah. Uh, I want to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. I know the refs, they sucked. Um, they suck they, everywhere, though. The yeah. the one that really bothered me was the smart call at the end. I don't know yeah. how you get that wrong. That one was super obvious to me. And it was – it's an absolute – yeah, it's a massive call that you can't get wrong. Um, but I will say we shot 28 foul shots. They shot 14. I think we shot 17 in the fourth, and they shot none. So I'm not going to totally blame the refs. Um, it no, is I'm annoying to, to see Giannis run our guys over right in the chest sometimes. But that's just – he's going to get superstar calls. Tatum got a couple superstar calls too where he, he just got bailed out a couple times. But going forward, uh, what do you guys think we have to do? I mean, is it just Tatum? Tatum just has to show up? What do you guys think? I mean, a lot, a lot of it, I feel like a lot of our shooters are kind of just settling, you know. They're kind of yeah. just settling to take those shots rather than – trying to open up the offense like I, I with my personally my one of my favorite players Peyton Pritchard does that a lot off the bench in my yeah. opinion especially in the Milwaukee series I think during the Brooklyn series he did a great job coming off the bench being that spark being that guy who can dish the ball out and also shoot at a good clip I think he shot like 66 percent throughout mm. the entire series something like that which yeah. is pretty good in my opinion also like I think shooting yeah. for the game or something like that but this series he's done not too well pretty atrocious i mean i don't have the exact numbers but watching the game he's really not done much i mean it's not like he's getting that much of a shot but still it when he's in there he's not really that making that much of an impact and i think a lot of our bench players need to start doing that and it's not really not really coming out you know yeah it's yeah. well i think that something that makes the celtics team so frustrating is that none of our players like or there's we just we, we have a tough time getting a night where everyone is on like Derek White had a good night tonight or last night. Yeah. He had, um, he was three for six from the field, two for three from three, six foot, eight, six for eight from the free throw line. He had um, four rebounds or sorry, two rebounds, zero assists, one steal, and 14 points uh, in 21 minutes. He was a plus nine on the floor. Like there's a little trend of uh, Jalen Brown hurt us and he played up, uh, and then Derek White yeah, must hurt just, us and played up a little bit. We just let's ripped Tatum and Jason Tatum the whole yeah, time. I think yeah. we need to. <laughs> Tatum, you're next, bud. You uh, <laughs> like the franchise player he's acting like, or well, tries to be. Well, it's like pretty frustrating as a fan. To me, yeah, seeing him. Well, I, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. He he's played well. I think um, he just needs to. Uh, I mean, like he was just forcing it tonight. I'm not. I'm not like too worried about it. Honestly, it was. It was I was one. Two I was mainly going to talk about like whenever he, whenever there's a call or whenever there's yeah. something that doesn't go his way, he takes himself out of the entire that's very entirety. True. That's that's a complete, that's a four on five. That's yep. going to be a bucket for, on the for the offense. Like, and if it's not, then well, that's just I, I just kind of because it happens a lot. It happens yeah. quite often, and it's it's if we eliminate those as a defense, like 
our defense is so good, but still, like if we eliminate yeah, you don't those, need those plays. We just don't need them. I don't know. I just yeah. I think that. All right, sorry about that, everyone. We had some technical difficulties there. Um, we're back, and uh, we're gonna get right back into it. I wanted to bring up uh, the guy called the unsung hero last podcast, Al Horford. Um, he just had an absolutely monster game. He did. dropped 22 points, 16 boards, uh, shot nine for 17, four for seven from three. It sucks that we lost uh, the Al Horford game because I don't know I if assist. we're gonna see. I don't know if we're gonna see another Al Horford game of yeah. that Demi magnitude. Go. Yeah. Uh, what'd you guys basically think? a creative player? Yeah. <laughs> when when uh, they brought Al Horford back in the offseason, I think I cried a tear of joy because I, I just love I just love Al Horford and everything he brings to the team. And like you know, he's gonna bring it defensively. He's kind of like Grant Williams. You know what he's gonna do defensively when mm-hmm. he's hitting his shots. Though it's really fun to watch. And I mean, like Jordan said, it just sucks that him and Jalen Brown basically operated everything in the fourth quarter, and for them to not be able to come out with a win when he plays that good is. Kind yeah, of scary, tough. but or at least give yeah. him the ball in the fourth. You know, try, yeah, try to yeah. try to run something with him. But you know, um, a lot of his points obviously were from cleaning up. But yeah, know, like uh, I I want another thing I wanted to mention was Drew Holiday. He he shot eleven for thirty, mm-hmm. uh, which is not good at all. Um, but the guy just makes huge shots. It feels like every yeah. time he needs to make a, a shot, it it can be you know fading away out of bounds. It just freaking goes in it's so annoying yeah um yeah but i will say if we can keep him shooting a bad percentage i think we'll be all right we need to step up offensively our defense has been unbelievable 103 points uh even with Giannis going for 40 like i'm taking 103 points every single day we need to we need to score in the 110 plus range so if i could just talk about drew holiday and Giannis antetokounmpo for a second one thing is I think the huge reason why we're down 2-1 right now is because just plain and simple, Giannis and Drew are outplaying our duo of Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown. Very and good. I have some stats on that. Like, throughout the first three games, Drew and Giannis have scored 163 points, or I think 169, um, which is averaging out to, like, they combine for just over 54 points a game. Mm-hmm. And Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum scored 129 points throughout the first three games, averaging 43 points. So they're getting outscored by over 10 points a game. Uh, by the other duo, which I think is kind of what's been tough for them so far. So yeah, no, that's a good observation. Um, I just think like Giannis, there he's just we've never seen a player like he's he's got elements of Shaq and different players, and it's just in a different uh, way that we've never seen a player built like him. And he's just someone that's so hard to guard. And um, I don't know, like, do you guys have any idea defensively? Like, do you have any thoughts on what we could do differently? Because, like, I'm I'm just not really sure. I like the I like um having like a Tatum, like a trio of like a or maybe even a, a four way switch between like Smart, Tatum, um, Rob Williams and Grant. I feel like are the only four that I kind of trust. Horford, I, Horford picked up a little bit, but his feet are too slow that I he gets um susceptible to being crossed over by Giannis. So I I like I feel like Robert. Robert Williams has the length to contend with Giannis. Grant Williams has the strength. Tatum has kind of both the frame and the strength. And then um, Smart has the strength to contend with him. So, I, like, those four work. But is there, like, another thing that you guys think we could do? Box and I, mean, I, I mean, sometimes there's just nothing you can do with yeah. a guy like Giannis. Like, the first two games were phenomenal defense. And since Giannis wasn't out of his mind, like, 
he shot a bad percentage. I think if Giannis scores 27 but shoots 40%, we'll, we'll live with that all day. Um, if he's going to if he's gonna play like he did last game, every game, like we just have to match him on offense. There's not a lot you yeah. can do defensively, in my opinion. Yeah. Really nothing. No. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on containing Drew Holiday? Because I don't. I don't know what we can do. Like, like you said, like he wasn't really efficient, but he still was um, like, sorry, he still was plus three and he had 25 points, like uh, one blocked, three steals, three assists, seven rebounds. Like he still had an impact, had a positive impact on the game and did a lot. And he hit those big shots. Like I just don't know more. What don't know what we can do more. I think uh, I think Drew Holiday is kind of an underrated guy, anyways. Oh, I feel yes. like going into the series, I don't think a lot of Boston fans really batted an eye at Drew Holiday. You know, he's not a, on this pod. He's a good he defender. Not on this pod. <laughs> don't get me don't get me wrong. He's he's a he's a great defender, and I think yeah. that especially in the past, especially since he's joined Milwaukee, he's kind of taken a step up in his offense. Mm. Like, yeah, I, before when he was in, you know, I think it was New in New Orleans. Orleans. Yeah, with with Anthony Davis, he wasn't necessarily, you know put on a pedestal like he is now and the Sixers too, but yeah. he wasn't put in a pedestal like he is now. Like if they had Chris Middleton, if the Bucks had Chris Middleton, I think it'd be a little different. I think it'd be a lot harder to guard Drew, Drew Holiday yeah. considering we also have to get out to that shooter, Chris Middleton. Not, not even if they had Chris Middleton. I mean? it's just, it's, it, <laughs> it would be a lot tougher series than it is already. I think, yeah, I think we'd be pretty screwed if they had Chris yeah. playing. Um, yeah. One thing Philly wanted to bring up was uh, that third quarter by the Celts. So, we were yeah. we were up what fifty four to fifty at half, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then what happened from there, Philly? I mean, it's really just been a trend all series. I mean, we can start with game one. They, I mean, they outscored them twenty four to twenty two in the third quarter of game one, but I mean, they were down eleven in that game, and they needed to kind of give themselves momentum to try to come back. Couldn't do it. Last game didn't really matter as much because they're up twenty five at half, but they still got outscored eighteen to twenty six in the third. Then, and then I mean, this last game was the worst one 17 to 34 so like you said you're up four going into halftime and then you you're going into the fourth quarter down 13 you lose all your momentum I mean they kind of had a little bit of a comeback but I think the way that they come out after halftime has been their downfall in the series so far for sure yeah I uh, I completely agree um yeah like they just they lack like they get the fire in the beginning um and then they just like it's almost like they just uh use it all and then they get they get tired and then maybe a couple calls go against themselves like Tori brought up and then tatum gets in his head about that and then it takes him out of the game and it's just it's downhill from there so yeah um philly did you have a question yeah i was just wondering what you guys thought about how much of the celtic success especially in the second half of the season do you feel has to do with them moving brad stevens from head coach of the gm i think Brad, his first couple of years, everyone loved him. He's clearly – he knows the game. He's clearly a great X's and O's guy. Um, but I don't know our, – our, we seem to have had a little bit of a culture shift, and I think we've kind of found a little bit of a defensive identity. Um, and I think it's not just that we got Brad to the GM, but I think it's that we got Ime to coach. Yeah. And I think Ime's just done an amazing job. And Brad has also done a great job bringing back guys like Horford and Tice. The um, Daniel Tice effect. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, TH. Oh, um, you know, I, I, I think, I'm, you know, on the topic of Daniel Tice, uh, Derek White, who we talked to him before. Yeah. I think a lot of, 
I don't think a lot of our offensive success is necessarily tailored towards him, but a lot of our defensive success. Yes. Especially at that guard spot. I think he does it. I think he's done he did a great job. Thank you, TH. Elevating our defense. Like and it's you know, Dennis Schroeder, he he just didn't look like he belonged in my in my opinion. Like the way he he kind of but like he we brought him in to kind of be that guy who could play defense, who could strap up, and he really just wasn't, you know, at all. He um he would get he would like uh completely like we'd get into he was actually like anti offense for us he would we would get into like this yeah. nice rhythm we'd start passing the ball ball around and then Schroeder would come in manning the second unit and he would just would be a ball stopper and then would just kind of completely like make us flatten yeah. out make so, the offense stagnant yeah so I agree exactly which we ironically have an issue with now but it was different back then um yeah, yeah and that Jason Richardson or it's not Jason Richardson Josh Richardson move was ballsy because he was um it's a good that, player jason richardson a was a player. teammate of uh of um what's his face back in the day drew holiday remember that guy yeah 23 mm-hmm. on the sixers sorry yep. side side uh note but anyways um yeah josh richardson was beloved in boston or not beloved but like the teammates really liked him and that was a ballsy move to trade him for like that um so yeah i i think that was a good move by brad um and I like that we got Ime in the building and he seems to be like Brad was soft and not soft. Like he just, he was like a modern NBA coach that didn't yell at his soft players because that's what our players were at the time. But Ime has completely made them tougher. Um, and yes. I think like in the beginning, he would always like out them in public and I would always be confused as to what he was doing. And I thought that he was going to get fired because like I was like, there's no like he can't just be saying this about these players in this day and age. They're gonna revolt against him, but it's worked. So, ready. Um, I'm sorry we had t- technical difficulties again, but we were about to wrap up anyways. Um, thank you Cam and TH for coming on and talking Celtics with you guys. Uh, with us, we're gonna have you guys on very frequently because that was a good talk. And uh, yeah, hopefully next time you guys are on, we're gonna be talking about a W. Uh, uh, yeah. Thanks for having us on. Love. Yeah, appreciate it. Of course, Enjoy of course. Yeah. yeah, great job.